of Chicago. I'm Megan, daughter of Michael and Lisa. And, and we, we are Burdened with Glorious, glorious Podcast. Welcome back to the show where we talk about our favorite trickster god, Loki, now streaming on Disney+. Plus. So this is going to be a little different uh, because this is pretty much our first episode where we don't really have any new episodes to discuss. We would like to take you on a strange journey. <laughs> but luckily, the generous people at Disney Plus gave us one more for the road in the form of the assembled uh, special behind-the-scenes uh, video of the making of the show. Which I just want to point out that, as it turns out, Maureen is a much better dedicated soldier to the cause than I am. Because I literally forgot that this thing existed. <laughs> not not the podcast, but like I I actually I had not watched either of the previous episodes of Assembled about uh, WandaVision or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And today I called Maureen just like, okay, so do we do we have it decently lined up what we want to talk about tonight? And she was like, Well, have you watched Assembled? And I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> I have not. So I'm I'm literally coming off of a cram session of of watching this behind the scenes special. Um during which I ended up having to text her that hearing the phrase uh you know hearing Tom Hiddleston say the phrase that objects in the rearview mirror often appear closer than they are is just one of those moments of me just burying my face in my hands and just being like so this is my life now. I'm I got, you know, I'm it, it's it's just this and and a good nightmare when we start uh, when we start working on that, and um, I mean last week I actually had a very nice if somewhat frenzied exchange with um, the hosts of another podcast, uh, High Fly and Adored, in which they get high and watch guilty pleasure musicals um, about of all things, uh, some cryptids on Staten Island. And so there, I, I don't know for sure. I, but you know, we talked about how, like, if they ever do like a travelogue episode where they go cryptid hunting or something, I guess I get to be the tour guide. So, um, the, uh, the Megan media empire is growing. Ah, the Megan <laughs> cinematic universe, if you will. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I feel like, about half to three quarters of this episode would be us uh, recapping what we learned from the Assembled special, and the remainder will be us talking about possible theories for season two based on what fans have speculated. So, with that out of the way, uh, I did find it very adorable uh, that they began shooting uh, season one like the day after Tom's 40th birthday, and you can see... <laughs> Uh, I don't know what the lucky bakery was to make that, but they gave him a tesseract-shaped birthday cake. <laughs> With a yeah. sign that says, Happy Birthday, God of Mischief. <laughs> like one of those one of those little uh, light box signs. You know, I, I have one of those in my room that says, Ahoy, matey, right now. <laughs> so that was what I thought of immediately. Yeah, and it's also this, like, very unintentionally added, oh, it's like, it's like the ending of Thor Ragnarok, if you will, 
of, oh, you sweet summer child, you have no idea what's in store, because they said uh, the first day of shooting was February 10th, 2020. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, I didn't even think about that specifically. I guess at this point, it's just become, you know, such a background presence in our lives. Not not background necessarily, but you, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's like, We've become so accustomed to this. I mean, I I at least consider myself fortunate enough to not know anybody who has who has died of this, although I was myself mildly disabled by it for over a year. Um but you know, it's I maybe maybe it's because of that or something, you know, that just it's at this point I'm just accustomed to it. I mean, I work with kids for a living. And sometimes when they see pictures, even from, like, 2019, they'll just comment, oh, but you're not wearing a mask. It's like, well, yeah, as recently as then, we didn't have to. Yeah, I I remember, God, last last fall, I, I just, I couldn't, I had trouble watching movies. Of course, like, pretty, like pretty much everyone else, uh, I watched just, like, everything in my Netflix queue, and I just... I couldn't suspend my disbelief because I always had to pause and write, oh yeah, this this is a movie that takes place before 2020. Oh yeah, that used to be a thing of people could go around masks. In the before times, yeah. And it even affected the way I dreamed because for like spring, summer of 2020, like it was far more common for me to have lucid dreams, i.e. you're fully aware yeah, that you're dreaming just because no one wore mask in my dream, and that was like my indicator. Oh, this is all make believe. I can take advantage of this. Yeah, I mean, and at this point, you know, we're we're really just hoping that, you know, we're hoping that we'll still be able to, you know, go to New York Comic Con with masks on. Um, I mean, Maureen is already building her her Sylvie costume for Saturday. So, you know, if you see us there, say hello, just, you know, preferably from behind a mask. I have no idea what I'm wearing that day. <laughs> <laughs> I I really have no idea. I, I told Maureen that if she wants to come up with something that I can wear to accompany her in her Sylvie costume, I will happily do that, especially because she has graciously, for reasons unbeknownst <laughs> to me, agreed for the Thursday of it we are we are actually going to be doing like you know a, the terror season one duo cosplay <laughs> which is based pretty much entirely on our like relative shapes standing next to each other but this won't be the first time that we've based a cosplay on that and it certainly won't be the last but even so I I don't know how I got her to agree to this folks and that's that's why I kind of feel like okay maybe maybe I owe you something on uh on saturday well <laughs> if just in case if you can't think of anything for saturday i'd be perfectly fine for uh friday uh doing uh poison ivy and harley quinn oh well i i i was already taking that one for granted <laughs> you know you know i um i actually found and have saved even a pair of like fairly beat up like emerald green doc martens that were marked down to like $90. So I just have to hope that nobody else grabs these off of Poshmark. Um, and you know, I'm going to use those as my Ivy shoes and, you know, God willing next fall, next spring, excuse me, in Anaheim, those could also be like your Loki bounding shoes. 
Yeah. 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 One yeah. wish. Maybe it's maybe it's wishful thinking, but you know, uh, you know, we've got to have something to look forward to. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> we've got to have something to look forward to. So, um, if you're listening to this and you haven't been vaccinated yet, wh- what's keeping you? I know Get that there are some people that. who are very. I know that there are some situations where, like, it's genuinely not the person's fault because of, you know, like, a really punishing job schedule and not being able to take off. You know, in that case, I mostly really hope that, you know, that maybe, like, the government services that are doing it door-to-door will be able to find some of these people, and and hopefully it won't hit you guys too hard. I will say that the first shot did kind of kick me in the ass, but if you haven't gotten it just because you can't be bothered... Go get your goddamn vaccination so that we can do more, like, high-concept, on-location, you know, bullshit on this show. Well, I would like to assume that the majority of our viewers are smart and rational enough to have already gotten vaccinated months ago. I mean, we did already ch- probably chase off, like, the, you know, the, the people who think that shipping Loki and Sylvia are incest. <laughs> so, like, I, I think we're doing a pretty good job of, like, logically weeding through the audience. Yep, process of elimination. <laughs> So, uh, one of the really interesting things I got to see in, uh, the special was I had seen, uh, a clip of Tom's original audition tape, uh, with him back when he was auditioning for Thor. And I, I knew the one where he had the lawn blonde wig and the red cape, but I've only ever seen just the video for it. Never yeah. the sound. And what blew my mind was that for whatever reason, maybe, I don't know, but uh, for this was the first time we got to see like him speak in that video. And for some reason, he's saying his lines with a Midwestern American accent as Thor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I part of me almost wonders if he's just kind of, if he was kind of going at it about like, right, American superhero movie. America, this calls for an American accent. I mean, you know, I, I don't really know what accent we're supposed to assume comic Thor has to begin with, because he speaks this incredibly stilted pseudo Shakespearean English. So it's like, I know that theoretically he should have some kind of like vaguely RP accent, but you know, I, I, if I think about it for too long, he starts sounding like Dudley Do-Right doing <laughs> a vaguely RP accent in my head, and it and it completely throws me off. So like I, I you know, yay verily, you know, I that was a terrible accent, but you know exactly what I mean. Oh my god, <laughs> it's I I just I don't know I don't know it's it you know the more I think about the decision to write them like that in the early comics, the funnier it gets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because I mean, you know, they're they're, uh, you know, they're they're space Vikings. Like, why why do they talk like that? <laughs> Welcome to the future of the show, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and, and you know, our our esteemed colleagues. Like, I this is this is the future. This is the future of Burdened with Glorious podcast. Ah, <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> I feel like. Uh, I have to mention uh, a personal detail to this story because uh, so Chris Hemsworth in uh, summer 2013 was in China, I believe, filming Black Hat. And because of that, he couldn't make it to Comic-Con. 
which left Marvel with the predicament, how do you have a Thor The Dark World panel without Thor to promote it? And so the special goes over Oh my god, were you there? Yes, I was, Megan. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know you were there. Yes, so, uh, as everyone knows, uh, Tom was the only actor who was free at the time, and they knew he could do live theater, so they decided, okay, uh, we're just gonna have this, like, minimalist one-man show with him in character as Loki on stage introducing, uh, the concept trailer. And, yeah, I was in Hall H when that happened, and personally speaking, yeah, like, I just, I literally got weak in the knees, I couldn't stop screaming, but then again, like, everyone else had the exact same feelings. I mean, I (laughs) joked, I joked afterwards to friends that, uh, when they asked me what it was like there, I said, Jesus himself could have walked on stage and the audience would have responded, oh, cool, you're here too. Oh my god, <laughs> I, I didn't realize that you were there for that. I mean, I... It, it's funny because, like, I can definitely remember where I was when I heard about this. <laughs> Which, you know, I was... I was actually at a babysitting job and, you know, considering I had already you know, met him a couple of times at this point, my first reaction was, oh, they did not let him do that. Oh my God. (laughs) And then pulling it up and just being like, wow, okay. Apparently this has happened, followed by just thinking to myself, this guy must really love this part. Mm. And, you know, (laughs) and here we are 10 years later, almost. The amusing part was that I was like, at first, very suspicious because how that skit went was uh, Kevin Feige was talking about uh, the movie Thor 2, and then, like, all the lights went down, and, like, oh, and, like, everybody thought, okay, this is clearly some, like, all part of the act. And then uh, there was, like, uh, a deep voice, like, speaking basically like the Phantom of the Opera off stage. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. And it took me like two seconds to realize, oh, that sounds a lot like Tom and uh, Loki. Like, okay, okay. So clearly this is pre-recorded. Clearly Tom did his lines in like a recording booth in England and they're going to have like an off-screen conversation and it's going to be something cheesy like that shit. And to see him on stage in full costume when the lights went on, I was like, oh my fucking God, they know exactly what the fans want. And I'm kind of afraid of that. (laughs) This is, this, we are, we are dealing with levels of power, the likes of which we have not yet seen. This is, (laughs) (laughs) the, yeah, no, I just. I mean, I don't even know if they could ever... That's another thing that I just... I don't know if they could ever pull that off again. No. No, that's what made it so special. It was just because it really was a you-just-had-to-be-there-man moment. But that's... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just... I had no idea that you were there. I was there, Gandalf. I was there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my... Oh, my God. See, I... You know, I, I briefly, you know, I'd, I'd met, um, I'd actually met the entire cast briefly at the, the Los Angeles premiere of the first Avengers movie. And I, 
actually uh, through a series of uh, complicated circumstances that I don't I don't need to fully recount here. I'd actually already met Tom Hiddleston a couple of times enough that I I wouldn't expect him to know at this point. But there was a very strange, very you know I want to say approximately nine month period of him at least remembering taking a set of him, like having to take a second to remember when he looked at me and just being like, Oh, Megan, hello. And it's like, okay, well, you know, good enough for me. Um, <laughs> and, and like, I, I wouldn't, I would only go so far as to say that we were very briefly acquainted, but that's, you know, I don't, I don't want to push anything or exaggerate this. You know, I, I really don't want to, you know, my father, the inventor of toaster strudel <laughs> about this. Um, but you know, but for all that, I, I had no idea that you were there for that. Yep, and it's definitely one of my favorite uh, Comic-Con memories ever. And it's like, not just, that mo that moment was so important, not just for like the fans there, but apparently uh, it's implied in the series that that kind of changed the trajectory of Loki's place in the MCU, because uh, to quote Tom Hiddleston, I think after that, it was very generously Kevin Feige and Louis D'Esposito and Victoria Alonso all thought, well, Loki's going to hang around for a bit longer, and then he chuckles, implying that uh, Loki was supposed to have been killed off for real on Svartalfheim, but because he basically <laughs> caused the third act of Perfume Story of the Murderer at Comic-Con, uh, they decided to keep the fangirls happy just a bit longer. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. Well, I mean, I also feel like that might have been, like, the big seismic shift where it was just like, oh, this is no longer just, you know, the internet's boyfriend. Yeah. And in that, you know, this is a character with, like, mass appeal, even if one of the, um, even if one of the most famous parts of that, of that interaction was, um, was the whole, uh... You know, my wife loves you <laughs> thing. But even so, even then. <sighs> well, it was a seismic shift because that was just, that was proving really for the first time that Loki was just as popular as Thor. And it was telling Marvel, like, you don't even, you no longer need to, like, emphasize Thor as one of the only drawing factor of the Thor films, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was... I mean, you know, I I feel like it was around that time, actually, that I ended up actually having to help uh, one of my uh, babysitting charges at the time. Actually, uh, you know, I helped him make a Loki costume for Halloween because his brother was going as Thor oh, and he I wanted to go that. as Loki. Mm-hmm. And they did not actually make child-sized Loki costumes at that point. Um, which, you know, now it's very easy to come by. But they they didn't, you know, that was just not a thing that existed at the time. So, um, you know, I basically ended up being like, all right, so what you're going to do is you're going to go to Goodwill or something with your dad. And you're going to get, like, a trench coat and I will help you figure out everything else. And you know what? I ended up making this child, like, like paperboard armor that I, like, painstakingly hand-colored in <laughs> with, like, metallic Sharpies. And, and, like, I made, like, an entire guide on how to attach all of this to his costume. And so, you know, 
but that was the first time I remember any anybody other than one of my first nanny charges out here who was she holds the privilege of being the first person I know to have to have had a crush on him <laughs> at the at the age of 10 which was which was adorable you know what actually that is how that is why I uh I briefly met him at New York Comic Con that first time to begin with because I because I wanted to get his signature for Chloe. That's actually, oh. you know what, that, that kicked off the whole thing. It was, it was, hey, you know, this little girl I'm taking care of, you know, she loves you. So. <laughs> yeah, I very, very briefly. I, I am so sorry for the, the, the papery rattling in the background. My cat is climbing in a shopping bag. Oh, that's all the explanation we need. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, uh, I've met Tom twice, very briefly, uh, shockingly, uh, yeah, I think it was in, like, within a year, uh, of each meeting. The first was, yeah, first was October 2018, uh, I took a photo, uh, by his side at Ace Comic Con at Navy Pier, and within a year, uh, I got, uh, his autograph, uh, backstage at the ending of Betrayal on Broadway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was when you were out here visiting me, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, so, I feel like the biggest bombshell dropped, uh, in the Assembled special is Michael Waldron and his beautiful mind that Disney wasn't ready for. <laughs> like... <laughs> God oh, bless yeah. his brave yeah, vision that could have been but wasn't. Is is this about the how they were how he did want them to be more explicit about the bisexuality? Is that what you're well, talking about? Yeah. So basically, uh, there's a photograph of him posing next to a story wheel and bullet list of story points that describes an unused scene in episode one. Uh, and the, it's a, it exists to show Loki realizing the power of the TVA is beyond anything he could have imagined. Only instead of the image of the Infinity Stones reduced to paperweights, it's the TVA deciding to give Loki everything he initially wanted. And there's a montage, Michael Waldron's words, not mine, a montage of him getting all the power he wanted by visiting different time periods and doing quote-unquote crazy mischief, aka sex, followed by more sex, by alien, etc., which I had to put in my Bumble profile. <laughs> oh my god, I, you know, I, I you know, I, I really hope that they would have accompanied this with the same kind of, like, jaunty 60s bossa nova type soundtrack that they use for the db cooper sequence um which in, you know what in retrospect i i love how much of a non sequitur the db cooper sequence ended up being like i know that there were some people that were complaining about it, it not going anywhere but in retrospect i'm like it is so much funnier as a non sequitur yeah yeah, it added really nothing to the story, but we're all glad it's in there. <laughs> Especially the fact of, of, like, you know, I, I I texted Maureen my thought that, like, so do you suppose that this was actually just, like, you know, part of having to make up for cutting Sip's hair? That eventually it's just, like, well, 
you know, and, and and it just ultimately just being like, what does this have to do with anything, Thor? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I guess that is like, you know, I don't know if it necessarily would have, uh, accomplished anything else story-wise in quite the same like and i say this as somebody who has absolutely nothing against sex scenes in movies please you know please for the love of god put some sex in the mcu we are starving yeah Um, the thing is like at this point i feel like the mcu really has only two choices either establish the fact that the majority of the Avengers are asexual and lean into that for representation points, or just for God's sake, admit that they have history of fucking people. (laughs) I just, I mean, I I feel like, I feel like the only one where, you know, it's, it's kind of like, okay, so, you know, okay, to be fair, you know, early on, we do have, you know, a woman waking up in Tony Stark's bed. Okay, I guess we can assume that he, that, you know, that, that they fucked. Um, but that's the thing, though. The first Iron Man movie was made under Paramount. Yeah, it's just... And, and, and you know what? You know what really disappoints me about this, honestly? Is that, you know, if you want, like, actual indicators on screen that a character has fucked, like, the one that they gave the, the most for that is... It's Hawkeye, and I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to think about that version of Hawkeye fucking. Well, they you know? also, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they also have, like, all the visual indicators, uh, that Star-Lord fucks. True, okay, okay, that, you know what, you know what, you're true, you're right about that. They, they did actually give a lot of indicators that Star-Lord does indeed fuck, but, you know what, here's the thing, here's the thing, I might be completely, you know... I, I might find Chris Pratt pretty repulsive as a person, but the thing is, Star Lord is a good character, as opposed to finding uh, Jeremy Renner repulsive as a person, and also thinking that MCU Hawkeye is irredeemably boring. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's that's the thing. That's the thing is, you know, I I can, you know, I see him in you know on the red carpet in a suit, and it's just like uh, Chris Pratt, and then you know he's in the whole costume, like oh hey, it's Peter Quill. That's, you know, hey, he's he's a cool guy. <laughs> I was <laughs> so, I was so just thinking, I, I can deal with that. I was just thinking earlier, right before we started recording, uh, thinking about, I'm kind of apprehensive about Thor Love and Thunder because it seems like ha- oh, it's only going to be half a Thor movie and half Guardians of the Galaxy. And then I was thinking of, like, in this house, we mock and disrespect Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, I think I've, uh, I, I think I've, uh, I, I don't know if I've mentioned it on here before, but you know, my, my incredibly unlikely to happen hope for, uh, Love and Thunder is, and this is purely because I think it would be hilarious. I want Thor and Nebula to hook up, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, hashtag Thorbula, make it happen. <laughs> um, because the more I thought about it, that was like the single funniest pairing I could think of. And you know what? Now it's even funnier because you know what? Now, now Loki has a murder girlfriend. And 
even funnier, Loki has proven himself to be a better boyfriend material than Thor has for Jane. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, yeah, oops. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think that was intentional, but, you know, okay, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny uh, that you mentioned 60s bossa nova music because uh, I was about to ask you, uh, if the world was a just and fair place, and if Disney were not run by Puritan cowards, which song would you pick to play over the Loki sex montage? Okay, you know what? I I can't actually think of what I would actually want to play, but um, I, I you know what? I I feel like there is a there is a sordid chapter of Loki history that is actually relevant to both podcasts that I have not mentioned on here. And that was the time that I, I managed to start some kind of accidental meme that had pretty good legs on it on Tumblr by taking with credit, somebody's fan art of the whole uh, Loki Sleipnir situation and specifically of the fact that, you know, Loki slept with or was violated by a stallion for that to happen, except in this case it showed a naked, still human-shaped Loki lying down romantically with a horse. And I attached a clip of a song that Jim Steinman wrote that was recorded by Pandora's Box with a chorus that includes the lines, There's no such thing as safe sex when it comes to loving you. <laughs> Um, I want you to know that, uh, that Gibson, my, uh, upcoming co-host on A Good Nightmare Comes So Rarely, still refers to safe sex as the horse sex song. <laughs> um, he has apparently seen other people refer to it as that in the wild. Um, he, he it's, it's gotten to the point where he will, like, casually refer to it as such when, you know, talking about, you know trying to sign, you know, some singer to perform this song and like, but she didn't want to do the horse sex song. Now, I don't think that she knew it was the horse sex song, but like, I, at the same time, it's like, so I almost feel like the joke here, I, I feel like the joke here has, uh, you know, means, you know, you just, I feel like you'd have to set it for, you, you just have to set it to safe sex but I don't think that's what I would choose. I, I mean, you know, honestly, when I picture this in my head, it's, it's just a very quick montage set to take on me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I go possibly the real big fish version, you know, you know, it's cause I, I, you know, cause he's still in the same mentality as a 12 year old who just got extra mozzarella sticks. <laughs> You know, it's and that's and that's what they say about ska music, right? It's that's what plays in a that's what plays in a twelve year old's head when he gets extra mozzarella sticks. It's funny that uh, you mentioned that song uh, because I uh, do some animation occasionally, and I've been very tempted if I ever get enough time and patience with myself to draw on uh, animate Loki and Sylvie whether being chased by uh, the train guards <laughs> on Lamentus in the style of the music video to take on me. 
Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Well, and now, now see... And I'm sorry, this is really just my head walking over to, like, the one constant everybody makes this joke on Twitter music joke, but it still feels kind of appropriate because, you know, you're talking about chase scenes and and stuff like that and now i'm just thinking of that one observation that has been repeated several times before that ghost the swedish uh 70s style heavy metal band (laughs) their music sounds like scooby-doo chase music and now i'm just picturing like you know taking the whole lamentous chase sequence and just dubbing it over with a ghost song (laughs) oh my oh my god now i'm picturing like a fan art crossover of like a ghost loki where skull face but with horns instead of a pope's hat oh my god you know (laughs) you know i've i've also for reasons that make absolutely no personal sense considering that i i had zero catholic background whatsoever and yet here i am you know today i was you know wearing a hunchback of notre dame themed dress and i made sure to pick out like dangly cross earrings <laughs> and i spent a good amount of the day listening to the various covers of pet shop boys it's a sin that i have managed to collect over the last two weeks i don't know how i became this person <laughs> Um, but it turns out that there is, in fact, a ghost cover of, of It's a Sin. And you know what? It's actually one of the better ones I've found. Because um, even though I've kind of found out that, like, you know, a lot of their stuff is a little too much for me, they had the good sense to basically just recreate the song on their own instruments. And you know what? That's exactly how you should cover synth pop. Like, this is great. Yes. <laughs> Uh, going back to synth pop, I want to say the most obvious answer for the song I'm playing over Loki sex montage, we Depeche Mode's Just Can't Get Enough. <laughs> yes. But oh I feel God. like that would yeah. be too obvious. So I go back and forth between that and a Florence and the Machine's bedroom hymns. Oh, no, I, I, I am completely team Just Can't Get Enough here. I, I just... Oh my god. <laughs> I'm hearing that in my head right now. And just imagining <laughs> I'm just imagine you know, I, I guess if we're gonna make like, you know, the the inevitable like Owen Wilson comparison here, you know, I'm just you know that sequence that they have like at the beginning of, of Wedding Crashers where it has like all of the cuts from them like dancing with a girl at the wedding to the, the girl falling montage. laughing against the mattress. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. I'm just picturing that kind of thing, except, you know, I feel like, I feel like we're doing like the, the Futurama safety dance, you know, how'd that song go? Only regret was he forgot to cure his bonitis. Speaking of Owen Wilson, I cannot get over the fact that... Tom just, like, at times comes across as, like, he comes from a different plane of reality, or just, like, he has not (laughs) grown up with, like, regular people, because he sincerely... Well, you know, he he did grow up rich. I just feel the need to point that out. Okay. But But still, he sincerely asked Owen Wilson (laughs) if he's ever played Hamlet and it wasn't throwing shade. Okay, you know what? I played Richard III in high school. <laughs> it's it's not that absurd of a question. I'm just saying. I know, but Owen himself said Ben Stiller would have never asked me that question. 
I mean, you know, it's really, it's, it's not that absurd a question to ask Owen Wilson, considering that, you know, I know that we've been making all of these, like, Lightning McQueen and, like, you know, uh, you know, like, you know, the, you know, the new Rat Pack movies and, and stuff like that. But, you know, you've also got to keep in mind that this is a guy who, who works with Wes Anderson all the time. Like, it's just... I mean, you know, think about the rest of, think about the rest of uh, Wes Anderson's, like, recurring cast people. Like, you know, it wouldn't have been absurd to ask Adrian Brody if he'd played Hamlet. Like, you know, and he's in just... I know, like, okay, I know Owen Wilson has a good acting range. It's just that I cannot, for the life of me, picture him and his vocal affect doing his soliloquy of, like, "'Tis nobler to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune." Okay, but see, as soon as you start doing that, I'm like, you know what? I want to see this. I, w- I want to see this. Let Owen Wilson play Hamlet. Make it happen. Change.org. We're, we're gonna, you know what? You know what? We're, we're gonna get... We're going to get Tom Hiddleston listening to this. And assuming he's not, like, alarmed by the fact that we've mentioned that we've met him. You know what? We, we, you know, come on. Come on, Tom. Pull through with us. Make your friend do Hamlet. Uh. <laughs> We're counting on you. <laughs> oh, man. I, 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 I would like to see it, as the kids say. <laughs> So there's not too much left to talk about uh, for the Assembled special, other than something that never really occurred to me until it was addressed, uh, is the differences of uh, Loki and Sylvie from their physicality and fighting styles. Because, yeah, it is a bit uh, subverted in that Loki, of course, spent his whole life in a palace. His movement would be like more graceful, elegant, and almost feminine. And Sylvie's is much more brutal and intense, and because she's never really had that like refinement. Yeah, no. Well, okay. Something I thought was very cute that I noticed in this, even if it doesn't have anything to do with the show, is that you know they made Sylvie noticeably so much more foul mouthed than Loki is. Like, yes. <laughs> you know, and and yet I I think it's extremely cute that in one of her interview sections that Sofia Di Martino clearly says sugar instead of shit. <laughs> I think that's adorable. <laughs> and part of me is almost like, I, I don't know if it was because she knew I was being compiled for this kind of thing, or if that's a habit that she's had to get into because she just had a child. Ah, uh, good point. Because, I mean, you know, you've you've probably heard me say, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> when, you know, because I, I know that at, even though I, I kind of talk like a sailor on the podcast, you know, I, I do work with children and I... I have to self-monitor a lot. <laughs> so, so I almost wonder if that was, if that was maybe also why she did that, but I thought it was adorable. <laughs> and, uh, in case there was any doubt, Michael Waldron and Kate Heron confirmed that from day one, it was always the point to have Loki and Sylvie's relationship be meant as a love story. Yeah, it you know I I I, can't, I don't have the energy to get up on my soapbox again, but I just <laughs> it, it's it's just do you really think that they would commit that hard to something that was supposed to be incest? Oh my god! <laughs> oh god! It's not Game of Thrones. 
god. Okay. Oh, so, uh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. Also, I, I really think, I, I know that we already kind of touched on this a couple episodes ago, or at least the last episode, but I think it's adorable how set the entire production was on getting Richard E. Grant to play classic Loki. Yes! <laughs> I, I mean, to the point that it's his face in the concept art. <laughs> and I love that his face in the concept art looks like it should be on a can selling you soup. <laughs> you know what? He's he's just having a good time. He's 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 just enjoying himself. Um, you know so that actually reminds me. The second volume of the um, the second volume of the soundtrack came out, which means that we now finally can all for ourselves re-listen to that uh, Flight of the Valkyries remix or if, or whatever you want to call it that they had going uh, when he was conjuring up the illusion of Asgard to distract um, Eliath. But something that I didn't realize until I listened to that is that um, it begins with a variation on the same little string stings that actually begin Flight of the Valkyries. You know, the, the I mean, every, everybody right. has heard Flight <laughs> of the Valkyries. You know, the little string swoops at the beginning. And so that's also at the beginning of, uh, of that rearrangement. But what I didn't realize until then is that um, those same little string swoops are actually like at the beginning of the, the title card music. Mm. If when you pull up, if you pull it up on the soundtrack, the the green theme is what they call it. It has the same little flight oh, yeah, of the Valkyries quote does. at the beginning, mm -hmm. and that's you know what, and I I love that. I mean, you know, they put in a very very brief quotation uh, from uh, uh, Daring Disney Belongen in uh, in the first Avengers movie. Uh, when he like conjures his armor on in Stuttgart, mm -hmm. but that's about it as far as like they they very very briefly reference the the logo le motif, but that's that's about it. And so to go back to this, but to do it in kind of a subtle way, and then to just and then for it to be like a rearrangement of it instead of just you know going into Flight of the Valkyries, which. I think if that wasn't already dead being used in like a serious context, I, I think the Watchmen movie might have killed it. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, having it playing completely straight facedly when there's a giant uh naked Doctor Manhattan, you know, wreaking havoc in Vietnam, it's like, okay, we've we've officially destroyed the ability to ever use this song. Like I Well that's Zack Snyder and his soundtrack choices for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, every time I hear the original Leonard Cohen version of Hallelujah now, I'm just like, mm. <laughs> which, which sucks because that's not a feeling you want to have when you, when you hear, you know, a Leonard Cohen recording of anything. <laughs> but at the same time, I just, I can't believe that the first Shrek movie managed to use Hallelujah better than the Watchmen movie did. God. <laughs> The, you know, the Shrek use of it was actually really touching. And then meanwhile, there's there's the Watchmen use, which at this point I'm not going to describe because somebody's going to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's something you should experience for yourself. Oh, God. Oh, so speaking of Easter eggs, I just found this out. 
Uh, it's on screen for like two seconds, but in the closing credits, when uh, it gets to uh, the casting director, uh, it's uh, the names of the casting directors are surrounded by uh, like file photos of Loki and Sylvie. And in the lower right-hand corner, you can see a man's hand go through them. And I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be he who remains going through their files. Oh, that's, that's good to know. And also the idea that it's like specifically like the casting section is almost as implying that he wants to cast them for certain parts. Yeah, that's, that's very, you know what, this is, one of the great things about this show is that it's meta with, it's meta without being like, horrendously self-referential mm-hmm. and i mean and to be honest it's actually even let you know the only times that it directly taps back into the mcu in any way that like matter it, it's there for the actual plot but it's not there in a way that actually like slows down the plot and goes remember this like you know showing him the you know the file clips at the beginning like that's actually necessary for him as a character and then after that you just have things like, you know, the Thanos copter being in the void. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I didn't know until recently that the Thanos copter was an actual thing in the comics. I just associated it with that, that painting that somebody did of, like, businessman Thanos that then somebody just turned into a <laughs> macro that just says grind. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's once again, it's time to play. Did this really happen in the Marvel comics or is it a ship post? <laughs> Oh my god, you know, I'm sorry, Thanos, anytime somebody just makes a complete joke out of Thanos, it's it's the funniest <laughs> thing that's ever happened. Um, <laughs> that's, and, I, and I hope it keeps happening, and also now I'm just thinking about you describing him as an aggressive California raisin. Ah, <laughs> uh, so... Another theory uh, has been, so if you look at it in close-ups, because I'm working on a Sylvie cosplay, I ordered uh, a replica of her sword on Etsy, and it has Nordic runes on it. And the thing about Nordic runes is they can either be uh, literally translated as like individual letters of the alphabet, or they can have a much broader uh, meaning of like certain archetypes, kind of like tarot reading, if you will. Uh. And for uh, Sylvie's sword, like, on the last line of it, uh, we have the runes that could be translated into loyal man, or, like, either man or loyal man, uh, giver of life and light. So it could be interpreted as... Sylvie will find a loyal man who will lead her into the light. Oh my god. <laughs> We're back to them just, you know, deciding to lean wholeheartedly into the this is the internet's boyfriend <laughs> angle. Mm. They, you know, I, I was texting Maureen earlier this week that it's like, God, at this point, you know, I'm... At this, you know, somebody else had made a had made a tweet that just had a picture of uh, Patrick from SpongeBob sitting there looking extremely irritated with his arms crossed, and it was just something about like you know 
Jane Foster when she finds out that, you know, Loki was willing to tear the entire timeline apart to get back to his girlfriend. <laughs> and he can't eat, Thor can't even visit her when they're in the same city. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just... <laughs> and so, like, you know, I, I feel like we're getting that much closer to some kind of damn Jackie, I can't control the weather. <laughs> situation except it's worse because Thor can control the weather (laughs) you see that's what I want to see in love and thunder love and thunder it's not that complicated people (laughs) oh my god anyway I am of the opinion that if their paths ever crossed, Sylvie would take Jane Foster out for my ties and talk about <laughs> how much Thor needs to up his game. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, is that I feel like at this point in the show, Loki has reached a point where he's probably not even likely to gloat about, like, by the way, I'm better than you at this. And probably what's more likely to happen is, like, you know, I, I think the way I described it to Maureen is, like, we're getting really close to a situation where it's like, you know, Loki's like, you know, kissing Sylvie's wrist with his eyes closed. And she's just like eyes emoji over at, over at Jane and Thor. <laughs> <laughs> just like. <laughs> you know. Expect better of your man. I could easily see so many fan fiction where the premise is Thor and Jane and Loki and Sylvie are in the same hotel, and they have competition sex, like, in the scene from freaking Sarah Marshall. <laughs> where oh they're my on, God. like, the same, each end of a wall, and they're trying to have, like, oh a screaming my God. contest. <laughs> oh my God. Do we, do we need to, like, start some kind of, like, Thor kink meme? <laughs> oh my God. Well, Marvel sure as hell isn't. <laughs> I mean, oh my god, you know, this is reminding me of the fact that, like, the only, I feel like the only person in, in, in these movies that we've even seen the implication that they were, like, going to have casual sex later other than Tony Stark was, like, you know, that scene where, you know, Fandral's got his arm around those two girls. Oh, yeah. Well, and, yeah. and incidentally, incidentally, I also would be shocked if they don't imply that 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 he was one of the guys that Loki slept with. I'm just saying. Oh no, I absolutely believe that. No, there's evidence in the movie and the comics that Fandor and Loki are like. I could totally read them as amicable exes. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, they straight up have that that one. You know, when he's, you know. Toward the climax of uh, of Agent of Asgard, which hey, I'm the one that mentioned it first this time. Wow! Hey. Um, <laughs> ding 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 ding. Um, there's that moment when uh, you know, and Loki's basically running over all of these times when it's taken so completely for granted that he can't be trusted. That like even when people are being nice to him, they're just like reminding him of that. And one of them is quite literally him and Fandral laying on the grass. Uh, halfway dressed with Fandral saying something about like you know your tongue was of such purest silver tonight that I could very nearly forget that they call you that because you're the god of lies or something like that and it's like what what happened there there is no heterosexual explanation for that (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah exactly between that and and you know and the 
the bit in the dark world with like, mm, I see that being in prison hasn't made you any less graceful. And it's like, oh, like <laughs> do you, do, do you guys need an adult? Do we, do we need, do you guys need a little chaperone going on here? <laughs> but I, I would be shocked. I mean, you know, it actually, it wouldn't even surprise me if they use that as like, you know, the show as far of, you know, the way that they decide to at least, you know, whether or not it's it's a present relationship or not, I would be really shocked if they don't use that as, like... You know, well, since Loki is a villain slash anti-hero, and they've always been defined in comics as doing things that the heroes can't, if Batman can't do oral <laughs> sex, then Loki sure as hell can. Give him that, folks. Oh my, oh my god. Good night, everybody! <laughs> Oh my god. You know I what? Will never you get know tired what, of that. <laughs> on the other hand, you know, I know we were just ragging on Zack Snyder, but on the other hand, his response to this was to tweet out a picture of Batman uh, eating Catwoman out. So, you know what? I, I will salute him for that. Okay, but uh, lest we forget, <laughs> uh, where was that in the Snyder cut? <laughs> that is, we don't. We don't know if there is a Catwoman in that universe yet. <laughs> but I'm if he saying, wanted to, I mean, okay, he must have You been... know what? Maybe, you know, maybe that was going to be what happened if Batfleck got his groove back. <laughs> and, and, but you know what? You know what, though? We're getting, we're getting Michael Keaton Batman back. Oh, Yes. And that really makes me hope that, you know, he and he and, you know, Selena are still a thing. Well, because as as we've mentioned before, this is this is a Tim Burton Batman movie's appreciation zone. <laughs> Especially Batman Returns. Yes. And I I really hope that it's gonna turn out that when they just decide, you know, I guess now that we get Michael Keaton playing old Batman again, I'm hoping that, you know, we're gonna also have like, you know, an older Selena Kyle. Well, Let this happen. At least <laughs> At least when they did the crisis uh, timeline on the CW shows, uh, one of the multiverses that had, uh, that was, one of the multiverses that was in uh, the Burtonverse had a newspaper that said, uh, Bruce Wayne is engaged to Selena. Yes! <laughs> well, you know what? And actually, next you know what? I, I know that this is a Loki cast. <laughs> But you know what? This is an excellent time to remind everybody that if this, if 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 your home and your heart are also a Tim Burton Batman movies appreciation zone, I just want you to know that they are in fact releasing comics set in that world starting next week. Batman eighty nine coming to a comic shop near you, and it looks awesome, especially them finally uh, getting to show uh, Billy D. Williams portraying Harvey Dent going the full Two Face route. Yes, and and they actually are going back to what was, I guess, originally pitched, and then it fell through with a very young Marlon Wayans playing Robin. That's right. That they yes. have yeah, they actually have uh have Robin in this drawn in the likeness of a very young Marlon Wayans. I'm excited for it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I I guess I guess, you know, even if this is a Loki show at the same time, it just kind of feels like, you know, I feel like if you like this show, you're probably going to like the Batman. I mean, Tim think... Burton movies. 
I mean, because, you know, what else has felt so much like a goddamn weird comic book is that? I mean, think of it this way. It's not like Kevin Smith only talks about Batman on Fat Man on Batman. <laughs> Excellent point. <laughs> I forgot that that was the name of the show. <laughs> So the last theory that I can think of, unless you uh, have any, uh, is I think the reason why the TVA uses terminology like pruned and branches is because the multiverse is really a sort of like extreme Yggdrasil, not just containing all the realms, but all possible realms. And we've just been looking oh at it sideways. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does does that mean that there that there is a giant potentially malicious squirrel running around the timeline? Could be. I wouldn't rule it out. Oh my god! Please, season two, give us give us some sweet Ratatoskr action. <laughs> I we please please keep going with how weird this is. <laughs> keep this crazy train rolling. Keep hashtag keep Loki weird. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I'm honestly, like, even though the, the assembled special basically did answer the, the question that, um, you know, that Sylvie is basically an enchantress slash alternate Loki hybrid in this, I still am not entirely sure we know her entire deal. Oh, definitely not. There's, there's so much more to her that we aren't getting yet. That's definitely being withheld. I mean, I'm still thinking about, you know, I'm still thinking about the, you know, you're the, you're a child of the, of the timekeepers too line. Like, what was that about? I have no idea. Like, maybe she's like Alphaba and she's a child of both worlds or like maybe like her, <laughs> one of her parents was with TVA. Oh my God. You know, considering that they still seem to be, you know, skittering around ever clarifying if her family are, in fact, the same. You know, I still think that, like, they're being, they, they must be being really evasive about this on purpose. You know, when she mentions that she doesn't remember her mother, there's no confirmation that the mother she doesn't remember is Frigga. Mm-hmm. You know, she has never mentioned a Thor, like ever you know what what was going on there also when i was re-watching the special tonight it occurred to me that uh ravana uh she was the only one looking at the temp head when identifying sylvie and i couldn't help but wonder for whatever reason if ravana just decided to unnecessarily ruin sylvie's life because it seems like she has almost like a personal vendetta against her or maybe like she knows she's the only one who knows exactly what she is or what she's capable of because clearly she was lying about uh forgetting what her nexus event was and it could be something like how do we know it's not like a trumped up charge yeah that's that's also true although i still think a lot about my friend ann's comment about uh sylvie being arrested on charges of uh first degree being well adjusted and normal Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah, because the thing about the TVA is they would have arrested her much sooner if simply she was a girl. But a lot of people have theorized that they only came for her after she played out a fantasy in which she saved Asgard. Yeah, which, and, you know, considering that she's also playing it being a Valkyrie, it makes the fact that that's what's playing when classic Loki saves them. Yeah, I, that that occurred to me as uh, as actually being really meaningful, especially because then he shouts, you know, glorious purpose as he goes. And it's like, you know, that feels very meaningful, actually. Something else that I've wondered is, you know, conversely, if they're going to like dip more into the whole, you know, primordial chaos situation. If, if like or if that's you know what they're actually supposed to be like embodiments of because in that case it almost makes me wonder if you know considering we've got hercules coming up if it's actually more of a situation of like you know sylvie's not actually a loki sylvie's more of an heiress mm-hmm. something like that you know especially because that's another way of going about the the apple situation there's also that, you know, in addition to the obvious Adam and Eve symbolism. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a lot going on here, but just they don't. We don't know, we don't know enough about her, still, and it's and you know, and it hit me like at first I kind of thought like oh you know everything's settled, because you know the first season's over and we now just have to kind of wait and then it's it, and then like over the next couple of days it just got straight back to like wait a minute but what is her deal <laughs> like what is going on here yeah so much Ooh, stuff it, doesn't add up yeah yeah i mean i i'm still really haunted by that you know you're also a child of the timekeepers thing because you know because it is so personally aimed at her you know it's it's not, you know, you are all children of the timekeepers. <laughs> it's like, it's made out as though it's a very specific comment. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I, I don't know what is going on here. <laughs> <laughs> so as it happens, now that we've had this shift to the bi-weekly format, and as we're now entering the brave new world of essentially having to uh, come up with weekly content... Um, we ourselves are going to be doing a little bit of time, time traveling and we are going to be spending a lot of the next episode talking about the first Thor movie and what that now looks like in light of everything that's come after. You know, we're, we're, we're going, we're going all the way back. We're, uh, we're doing the time warp again. <laughs> and with it, taking a look back on how... Uh, Tumblr came out at about the same time, or really uh, got noticed by a lot of people at the same time as the first Thor film, and I'd like to talk a bit about uh, how uh, I would argue that the movie's success ultimately lied on fangirls and, like, the shift, starting with that movie, of, like, superhero movies uh, being a boy's thing to, like, hey, ladies can like this, too. Yeah. <laughs> but also uh you know going back and looking at how young everybody was and um you know what that actually a good place to to tie this up i guess is one of my favorite parts 
of the editing that they had to have uh, they had to have done on purpose in the assembled special is toward the end they very pointedly include the um, some behind the scenes footage of the moment in the first Thor movie where Loki demands what happened to you on Earth that made you so soft which even though they don't allow the line to finish there everybody knows goes on to don't tell me it was that woman and it's like honey you got a big storm coming aww <laughs> <laughs> you uh you know he uh I, I think you could make a decent argument that if anything he actually went a lot softer over yeah <laughs> yeah uh, you know what that's that you know what as, as Huey Lewis would say that's the power of love <laughs> And on that note, (laughs) we will see you in two weeks. I am Maureen. I'm Megan. And we are still burdened with Glory's podcast. Good night, everybody.